Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Animal Files podcast. How are you all doing today? Our conversation is going to be surrounding your animals. Of course, that's normal. That's what we do. (laughs) But if you love your animals or you're thinking about getting an animal, one of the first thoughts that you may have is, I got to buy stuff for the animal or I got to keep buying stuff for the animal. <laughs> so or today, I got to make stuff. <laughs> exactly. So today we're going to focus on the important questions that you need to ask before you buy those things, or if you are handy, creating anything for your pets. And we're going to span the gamut from toys and products all the way to food. So make sure you get your notebooks out because as we do, we are going to have a ton of information for you. And you may want to write down some of these questions so you have them handy. So let's just get this started. We got a lot to get to today. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys typically think about when you are looking to buy or create some different products for your pets? Maybe you think the toy looks fun or perhaps you like the colors in it. Maybe you like the promises that are offered on a label. Maybe you feel connected to a particular brand because you've heard good things from friends or family. And maybe you've also seen a lot of promotions about it. Yeah, those viral TikToks that (laughs) you can't trust. (laughs) Even Instagram posts, you can't even trust them half the time. (laughs) Or you might have seen a particular product that you thought looked like it was really useful. Whatever you may have thought or felt about a product, we're going to offer you some guidance around other questions to ask yourself that possibly you may not have considered. Thought-provoking. We like stuff (laughs) like that. (laughs) Number one question to ask yourself is, have I done my research and have I gathered enough information from reputable reliable sources? Well, what does that even mean? Like reputable, reliable sources, where do you get the research in that? Well, animal professionals, a lot of the time, but there you have to also be discerning because not all animal professionals have all the best information. Sometimes they can be biased. Sometimes they may be lacking information. So you do have to consider that aspect of it when you're talking to them yeah and also remember that every animal is an individual and your cat or dog may be allergic to something that somebody else's dog or cat is not or they may be a destroyer so you have to be more concerned than the other person because your dog will most likely ingest it or cat because i've had destroyers will Mm -hmm. most likely ingest that stuff when somebody else's dog just plays with it and squeaks it Mm -hmm. We have to remember the individuality aspect of our animals. Mm -hmm. Websites can be a good source, but the problem with the internet is there is so much information there. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So how do you know which websites to trust and which ones to not trust? Well, the best way is to first look at who is creating the content in the website Is it just somebody who just loves pets or is it somebody who has some kind of a knowledge that they're imparting? Second thing to consider is do they have an agenda? Mm, Outside of making money, but. (laughs) Right. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) There's a lot of scientific websites out there that might seem like they're reputable, but unfortunately in our society, There can be a lot of agendas on the political front, the scientific front, and those often can be combined together. 
And it can be challenging to figure out which ones these are, because I'm not even sure how to definitely determine which ones those are. But when I'm doing my own research, I look at multiple websites and see what they're saying. And generally when I'm gathering information for things like our show, I'm trying to look at both sides, not just the side that I personally stand on. (laughs) That's how you do it. Both sides. And then you sit with it and figure out where you stand on these things. Mm -hmm. Going on to forums and talking to friends and family can often be very questionable because they're not likely to have the knowledge to give you informed information. They're just going to tell you what they've seen, what they've read, what their personal experience has been with something. Some cases you have to try things out for yourself. Sometimes that's the only way you can really do it. And that means you got to ask yourself a lot of questions. Put your science hat on, your research hat (laughs) on when you are watching your animal with different things. (laughs) Yes. And even just keep an eye on it. If you deem something that is relatively safe, you still need to keep an eye on it and continually ask these questions. Mm -hmm. So first we're going to go into some questions that would pretty much apply to anything that you might choose to buy for your pet or make for your pet. A big question to always consider is, is it safe? Probably the most important thing because it kind of is an umbrella Mm -hmm. over a lot of these other questions. Obviously, once you answer that question, you got to break it down. (laughs) We'll get there. But but the main one is, is it safe? (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, that's kind of a very generic question. And if you don't know how to determine if something is safe or not, what to look at, what to think about, that's not going to mean a whole lot. So think about things like, could it cause your pet injury? Could they possibly choke on it, suffocate from it, possibly get mouth or internal body injuries or burns? This could be also something to consider with some of the stuff that you buy for yourself that is not for your pet, like essential oils or these um fragrance products yeah like the things that sort of scent your air and make it smell nice potpourris and things like that and also things that seem innocuous like stuffed animals mm-hmm. stuffed animal for a human is not made safe specifically for pets so there could be things like pieces of a stuffed animal like hard eyes or something like that that could be ingested mm-hmm. by your dog you also have things that we do every day hair ties jewelry Anything you can think of that's small, if it falls on the floor, as we've always said, it's theirs. So if you really want to be responsible pet owner, I think these are some of the questions that you need to ask about everything in your house, not just things for your animal specifically. Mm -hmm. And then under the injury aspect is, could small pieces break off during interaction with it? Hence those little hard eyes that could be on stuffed animals. Yeah. Or there's the tennis balls that people love to use for their dogs. Well, they're safe until they start to break apart. Then they're highly toxic. Yeah. That sort of rubbery, I don't even know what the material is, but that rubbery material that is on the inside of the tennis ball, that will break apart into small pieces. Your dog has a high chance, high likelihood of swallowing those pieces. And even if they just get them in their mouth and not swallow them, there's still that risk that it could harm them. So if you ever use tennis balls for your dogs, as soon as they break apart, throw them away immediately. Then ask yourself, is this product secure? So let's say you get a kennel or crate for your animal. Can they get out of it? And if they can find ways to get out of it, can they also be harmed while they're trying to get out of it? There's there's a lot of escape artists out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And... We might look at it and think, oh, yeah, there's no way that they're going to get out of this thing. But we need to look at it from all aspects. And it can be really hard to look at in a store. That's the the big thing. Or like when you're looking at it online, because you don't have it out in front of you put together in a way that it's going to be used so that you can really look at it in all ways to see if there's a possibility. So I get that some of these questions are going to be really challenging to answer when you're just looking at something online or looking at it in a package in the store. So this is where some additional research could be helpful. 
And maybe forums or Facebook groups or something like that could possibly be helpful in these kinds of situations because they might be able to say, oh yeah, I tried this product and this is what happened. Yeah, I think it's also a good practice to, instead of buying everything online, that certain products you actually go to a legitimate pet store and look at them. Because sometimes, at least some in the big box pet stores, they will have a few of the crates assembled and staged in the shop. And then you can look at them. I think certain things like crates and kennels, well, maybe not kennels so much because it's just basic plastic, you know, research the company that makes them. Like PetSafe is a good one. But certain things like kennels, go to a pet store and look at what they have because they'll probably have them open and displayed so you can really see what it looks like all together. Same mm-hmm. with cat trees. I think sometimes the cat trees, depending on the size and the complexity of it. I mean, I buy cat trees online, but you know, sometimes being able to go look at one, see how big it is or the size, one that's already put together is a pretty smart practice for some of the larger things. Yeah, I can give you an idea of how sturdy it is, if it's going to like tip over really easily or, or anything like that. So then ask yourself, how durable is it? I'm going to just kind of go through these questions a little more quickly and not go into so much detail because we'll go into that a little bit more with some of the other areas that we're going to focus on. So how durable is it? What is the product made from? What are the ingredients and the materials? Can the product live up to its promises? Where is the product made? Because certain countries have very low concern regarding safety or being eco-friendly. Yeah. And they're using materials that can be toxic or paints that have lead in them or some of that stuff. So find reputable companies. Don't just buy something off of wish.com or Amazon without checking into the company. Mm -hmm. Every Amazon thing should have a visit this particular shop. Because a lot of these pet companies have authorized shops on Amazon. So if you go there, you know you're getting the product from the company and not from a reseller Mm -hmm. that might be selling you a fake product. Right. Or a damaged one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So after you ask yourself, is it safe? Next, ask, is it toxic or poisonous? This still actually kind of goes under the safety umbrella, but it's sort of in its own category. Yeah. This is where it can be beneficial to buy something in person rather than going online. Because if you go in person, you can ask yourself, does this product have a strong smell? Mm-hmm. You know, unless it's like, there are certain materials that do have a strong smell like um, like a fabrication smell like a manufacturing smell yeah yeah that will kind of dissipate after a little bit but you don't want to have a chemical smell so does the material use dyes or something else to provide color that may be toxic to your pet does the product use phthalates that's spelled p-h-t-h-a-l-a-t-e-s pvc bpa Those are basically in plastics. Do they use lead, heavy metals, and any other chemicals to make it? Now, some of these questions may seem, I mean, nowadays you see a lot of companies saying BPA-free, BPA-free, but there are still, because the animal industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, there are many people jumping on the bandwagon just to make a quick buck. So you have to be careful because these PVCs, the phthalates, the BPAs, the leads, the heavy metals, you know what that stuff does. And these people don't care. So you have to make sure that what you are buying and where you are getting it from are definitely part of your thinking process. Yeah. There's a lot of companies out there, brands out there that will slap things onto the front of their labels, making all kinds of claims. And they can very often be lies, plain and simple. And there's nobody, there's sort of no regulatory system to call them out on it. So you have to be that sort of regulatory body for yourself and your pet. Now, I think a really good question to also ask yourself, which I don't think a lot of people do, is are you buying or creating this product for your enjoyment and or convenience? 
or are you doing it for your pet's benefit? Mm. I mean, sometimes it can be both, but yeah, we live together. We have fun together. It makes sense. But are you just buying it because you think it looks cute to have its own little pink castle bed? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've seen some of the things that these companies make and these people use. And uh, you don't know, like big giant bows for their collars because it looks so cute. Well, is that bow safe? Mm -hmm. Is the dog or cat going to eat it and ingest it and end up having a blockage? With our animals, we bought things like costumes. Outside of Maisie and Frankie's sweaters, we never really specifically bought clothes for our cats only because they were special needs. They had sweaters. But we would buy little things for Halloween. And we would take pictures and then we put the thing away. So the cat never had access to it. You know, we bought it for like a photo op and then put it away. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting a little bit of entertainment and it's not causing any physical harm or stress to your pet. Okay. But really consider, is this going to cause my pet stress or harm for my benefit? An important question. Mm -hmm. So we're going to focus a little bit more on toy products. Jacket. It's a big section. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a big part of animal guardianship, pet care. Animals love toys and we love buying them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't see that there would be any pet owners out there that never bought a toy for their pets. <laughs> and if they're out there, come on, guys, buy your animal a toy. <laughs> Play is normal. <laughs> mm hmm. So when you want to get a toy for your pet, look at how much your pet is handling their toys with their mouths and the paws and how much are you handling their toys? Because if there is any toxicity or anything like that on them, they're going to be ingesting that because they're constantly going to be having it in their mouths and handling it with their paws. And they're going to probably get it more so because When it gets moist, it possibly could make the chemicals or whatever, the toxins more prolific. Mm -hmm. But if you're handling them, you could be getting it on your skin, not thinking about it because not everybody chooses to wash their hands after petting their pets or handling their toys or something like that. And then they go put their finger in their mouth or whatever (laughs) the case may be. (laughs) My OCD brain can't understand that. But I know it's it's a thing. There's a lot of people that don't wash their hands as regularly or they just wash them when they're cooking and going to the bathroom. And even then it's questionable. So if, you know, you got dog slobber all over your hands, are you going to go run to the bathroom to wash your hands right after? Probably not. A lot of people just go wipe their hands on their pants. and Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, we're human. I can't understand it, but that's just me. (laughs) I'm weird. (laughs) but these are things that you have to consider because not everything's safe germs chemicals like if a toy is got a chemical on it and it gets wet well guess what that chemicals can be everywhere that's just how it is so you got to be careful about your toys another thing to think about is are the products you are buying easily destroyed or damaged Or do they need to be replaced frequently? Because if this is happening, there's two things that are happening. One is that that's not a very eco-friendly option if you're having to constantly replace it because the old stuff is going to be getting thrown into the landfill. Unfortunately, still at this point, a lot of the toys and products out there are not biodegradable or friendly to the earth. So our best option is to reduce the amount that we have to throw away. But if it's getting destroyed or damaged easily, it's also not a very safe option because the quality isn't there if it's breaking apart very easily. But it also is not always the quality. It can also be the type of animal you have because some animals are destroyers. Yes. There are some dogs that you give them something and in five minutes it's gone. Mm -hmm. That's why you don't want to give your dog a toy and just let them play with it without supervising them. Mm -hmm. But also, I think a lot of these stronger toys, they cost more money. So you have to make sure that when you're researching the product that you you understand that when it comes to toys specifically designed for destroyers, 
cost is an indicator of quality. So you may have to spend more money to get something that's better quality. Mm -hmm. So we talked about some of the places where you could get your products from, you know, Amazon, for example, is a very popular place that people go shopping for their pets at. And there's also similar platforms out there as well that offer inexpensive products, but they're typically also extremely low quality. That's why you need to make sure you understand the company that's selling it, the seller on Amazon, where it's made. Yeah, there's still a lot of stuff made in China, but I would go with the company, research the company, make sure they have their own seller account and you're not buying it from a third party source. Because there's a lot of people going on say wish.com and like Alibaba and Timu and stuff like that, which you should stay far away from all of those. And they are selling them at a profit. They don't care what the product is made out of and they're selling on Amazon. So make sure you go to the company's profile and buy it Mm -hmm. from the company, not from this third or fourth party seller. Yeah. And if you can also find the product in a local store, where you could actually look at the product more in depth, then you can decide to choose to buy that product online afterwards once you've determined that you feel this product is relatively safe and durable and all of those things. That's a way around it. Check it out first. Physically see the product before you actually go and buy it online. Mm -hmm. There's a product out there called Canvas Bumpers, which are generally a foam core that is wrapped in a canvas material. And it tends to be used as a tool to teach a puppy how to retrieve. The problem with this particular product is that there are many of them that can potentially contain melamine or lead within them. Scary. You know, with all of these chemicals and toxins and dyes and heavy metals, all of these different things that can be combined or used within these products that we get for our pets. Maybe a good question to ask is, are the toys made from any natural materials? This is a little more difficult. That's a good question to ask, but mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean they're safe. That's true. And we've, we've talked about this too in the past, that not all natural substances are safe because arsenic and heavy metals are natural. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want my dog ingesting it, but yeah, it is natural. <laughs> <laughs> So you have to be careful with the word natural, because what does that actually mean? What is the company actually promoting if they're saying, oh, it's made from all natural materials? But it's also not always a guarantee since processing of natural materials can sometimes create toxic substances. So the processing process (laughs) can be questionable at times. So it's better to avoid plastic toys and seat toys that are made from certain types of wood. You still have to be careful of splintering, mm-hmm. wool, natural rubber, because there is synthetic rubber. So you want the natural rubber, organic cotton, hemp, or jute. I've heard of jute, but I'm not exactly sure what that is, but it's similar to hemp. Mm. Oh, okay. It's a natural fiber. Mm-hmm. Or you could maybe consider vegetable stained leather. Again, price is going to dictate quality in these things. Mm-hmm. Billion dollar industry. Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. You have to use discernment and you have to check into the companies and into the ingredients or the toys that you are purchasing. Mm-hmm. So considering how these products are made will help you determine how durable it is if small pieces can break off and be swallowed or if it can cause injury in some way. Yeah. And even though some of these natural substances will just pass through your dog's system and your or your cat's system without causing harm, if they take ingest too much, they will still cause a blockage. They can if it's big enough. Yeah. Again, supervise your animals when they're playing with their toys. Mm-hmm. And though leather might seem like a good option as well, ask yourself, how were the animals that were used to create this product treated? Like what was the animal welfare? That may not always be an easy answer to find. So I would maybe choose leathers that are common byproducts of our meat industry, because there is a good chance that these companies may go, okay, we're going to try to use all of our animals and we're going to sell this to another product. Mm -hmm. That does happen. And there are still people in this world that if they're going to utilize animal product or eat animal products or process animal products, they will make sure they use as much of that animal as possible 
So that might be one of those questions as well. Is just just mm-hmm. pay attention to that. That may not be an easy thing to do, but at least if you have a thought in your brain, it might help. And you know, I get that trying to find out all this information can be really time consuming. Oh, and overwhelming. Oh yeah. And I, I can see that you guys might be like, I don't have the time for this. I just want to be able to go in and get a toy and not have to spend three hours researching it to find out if it's okay or not. Yeah, it is a challenge. And maybe it's something to consider that instead of having like 50 different toys for your pets, you have like maybe five or so, maybe a little bit more depending. And the benefit of doing the research is that once you've done research once, as long as that product is still carried by the company, you can continue to go back and get that product without having to do more research. Yep. So there's that aspect. You can also search for companies that might do research on your behalf. I didn't put it in my notes here, but there is a website, Center for Pet Safety or something like that, that exists. And you can look to see if they've maybe put any products on there that have been recalled or have been determined unsafe. If you have a particular concern about a product, you can ask them to perhaps look into it and see if they'll look into it. One of the ways that you can get some of this information, and sometimes it can even be the quickest way to do it, is to contact the manufacturers of the toys that you are considering buying and asking them questions regarding the materials that they use, how they acquire their materials, and the process that they use to make them. They may not be fully uh, open because there's probably proprietary things, but at least by you asking the manufacturers will help the manufacturers to rethink things and know that consumers are concerned. Mm. And that helps the company modify if they're doing anything that may be questionable. Because if you hold them to account, they'll do better because you're their customer. You have more power than they do. Mm -hmm. And they should be able to at least generally answer your questions. If they seem like they're trying to avoid answering the questions, then that is already a red flag and be like, okay, they're trying to hide something, it seems like. Yeah. But you can also find out, do they do any safety testing or third-party testing on their products? And the reason why it would be third-party testing would be so that there is no biased results. A third party doesn't benefit from whether they say, yes, it's safe or no, it's not safe. They don't get paid for that. They don't, I mean, they probably get paid for their service, but they don't get paid more or less depending if they say one way or the other. Yeah. Another way to help determine if a toy is safe for your pet is, is it certified to be safe for children under three years old? Now, I don't know how many pet toys will have that on it, but if you find a children's toy that says it's safe for children under three years old, it might be okay for your pet as well. As long as it didn't destroy it and ingest it. Yeah, yeah, it depends on what it is. But when that label is on a product, it means it's been tested for certain toxic chemicals and should be free from small parts that can become detached and cause a choking hazard or a bowel obstruction. So you remember that question we asked about why you are thinking of getting the product? Is it for your benefit or your pet's benefit or maybe a little bit of both? So again, ask yourself, what is the benefit of the toy? Is it something to entertain your animal when you are not around? Is it something you can use to interact with your pets with, such as playing fetch or catch? Is it something that can help to mentally stimulate your pet? And is it something that can help with providing some exercise? All good questions. Enrichment's important, Mm -hmm. especially those last three questions. Your dog or four, actually all, well, I don't know. The first question about entertaining when you're not around, I would add the question of why do you need something to entertain your dog when you're not around? Mm -hmm. Are you giving your animal the proper amount of enrichment? Are you spending enough time with your animal? Outside of that, the rest of the questions are really important questions to ask because that's what toys are for. They're for enrichment. They're for stimulating your pet. It's for exercise. It's for all of that stuff. That's why you get toys. (laughs) You don't just get toys just so the animal has toys. Mm -hmm. Goes back to that question that we said earlier. Is it benefiting you or is it benefiting the animal? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it can be beneficial when they are left alone because, I mean, let's face it, your pets are probably going to be left alone for at least short periods of time. 
maybe an hour, maybe a couple of hours. Of course, some of you work full-time out of the home again, so they might be left alone for longer, but hopefully not for eight hours straight. Hopefully. You know, sometimes when we're leaving our animals for short periods of time, some of them may experience some kind of anxiety. They might not do very well being left alone. And there may be certain toys that are safe enough that they're not going to destroy or have parts that they could end up ingesting or anything like that, that they could be alone with and be okay with. It's not highly recommended. It's better for them to have just their own safe places that they can go. So not not locking them up into a kennel or a crate. That's something that they should be able to come and go from. But being able to create sort of like a den-like situation and maybe... If it isn't anxiety, maybe sometimes even just giving them, I don't know, perhaps a shirt or something that has your smell on it and leaving that with them might be enough to help them. Yeah. Just be smart about it. If you are buying something to entertain your animal when you're not around, be smart about it. Make sure that you put extra thought into those particular toys because you're not going to be there to supervise them. If you Mm -hmm. have a destroyer, you don't want to leave something that they can easily destroy when you're not around because you may come home to a horrible situation. Just be smart Mm -hmm. about it. Then also ask yourself, are you looking for toys that fit your pet's size, temperament, bite, and play preferences? So if you have a large dog and you get a small toy, it's probably not a good option because there's a risk that they could end up getting that lodged in their throat. If they have a overly exuberant temperament or they get very sort of aggressive with their toys, then you're not going to want something that's going to break apart very easily. And different animals have different play preferences. Some of them are very, very gentle and some don't even really play with toys all that much. I know my mom's dog didn't play with toys that much, but she would have her moments. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are some little dogs that want the biggest stick in the park. So yeah. they carry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and little dogs tend to have big dog behaviors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Make sure it's appropriate. <laughs> but these are all things to consider if you were choosing to buy a toy for your pet. But have you considered making your own toys for your pets? Mm. Why would you want to do this? Because you're probably thinking, first I have to do all the research. And then if I want to make my own, now I've got to take the time to like, do the research on how, what to use and how to make it and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) But making your own toys gives you more control over the materials that are used and the quality of how they are made. Now, there are certain things, obviously, you can't make, you know, those big durable rubber balls that are designed for the destroyer dogs. You're not going to make something like that. (laughs) But this is more suitable for those pets that have a more gentle nature when it comes to interacting with their toys. For example, you could consider doing a sock treat dispensing ball. You take a sock and you just have like little holes in different places. And then as they play, the toy will just kind of squeeze out or the treat will just kind of squeeze out. That's like fun for a dog. Oh, I got a new treat. Oh, I got a new treat. (laughs) You could do cotton rope toys using old t-shirts, towels, etc. You could make homemade stuffies using old clothes and linens. And the, the idea of using old shirts, clothes, towels, linens, and stuff like that is if there were any chemicals in it and they're old enough, there might be a chance that that might have been mostly washed away. But you still have to consider the detergent that you were using to wash the clothes with because that could also be toxic. Yeah, well, on that same vein, if you make something out of old t-shirts and towels and your dog is not a destroyer, you could throw them in the washing machine with pet gentle detergent and clean them. You're upcycling. Mm -hmm. You're not constantly throwing stuff away. And they're easy. They're easy. Taking an old tube sock and knotting it for a dog, that's just easy. Doesn't have to be complicated. Mm-hmm. And we've got a website for you guys to go to so that you can see. This is just a couple of ideas that I took from it, but it gives you all kinds of ideas and more details on how to make them. So go to www.leafscore.com/slash/eco 
friendly pet products slash how to make your own dog toys. And we will have that in the show notes because I know that that's a mouthful. Yeah. (laughs) All those hyphens and stuff. Yeah, we'll have all that. Don't you worry. We got you back. (laughs) But whether you're buying or making these toys, make sure you fix or throw out the toys as needed once they become damaged. Definitely. I think we mentioned, I was at last episode or the episode before that I constantly was doing surgery on my cat's toys. Yeah. Constantly. (laughs) Because I had a seven pound destroyer. So I had to constantly fix ripped toys all of the time. Refill them (laughs) with catnip. Sew it back up. (laughs) That was part of my job as a mom. So you probably never thought that you had to think about all of this stuff when it comes to buying (laughs) toys or even any products for your pets. (laughs) Well, wait till we get to the next half. Cause then you're going to be, <laughs> Oh crap. It's going to get real. <laughs> hey, being a pet owner is not an easy job. Got to take care of your animals and asking questions is one of the main ways that you can really help your animals. Mm-hmm. So when we get back, we are going to talk about food. And if you've been listening to us for a while, you know, this is a sore subject for us because food, you can't live without it. And there's a lot of crap out there. So stick around and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. We hope you've been enjoying season three. It's been a great couple of years so far. Miranda and I just want to take a moment and thank you all for joining us on this journey and listening each and every week. We've got lots planned for you this season. Great interviews, great topics, and we're even building you a home on YouTube. If you want to help us out and be the first in line, just head to YouTube, look for the Animal Files podcast and hit that subscribe button. Or you can just head to the website www.theanimalfilespodcast.com. Calm. Now that that's out of the way, let's get back to the conversation. Welcome back. You are listening to the Animal Files podcast. And today we're giving you lots of questions. Questions that you need to ask when you are purchasing or creating products for your animals. Last half, we talked about accessories, supplies, toys. And this half, we're going to talk food. And if you guys know us, you know, food is a hot subject here at the Animal Files. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully these questions are going to help you make the best choices for your animal when it comes to the food products that you purchase for them. You get a lot. So let's just get going. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions to ask when it comes to choosing food for your pets is what stage of life is your pet in? Now, this is something that is largely considered by the scientific world in that there is a belief that different stages of life in an animal has different nutritional needs. Kittens and puppies are thought to need a higher fat content for their growing needs compared to when they're older. And senior animals are again thought to have different nutritional needs than their adult counterparts or the puppies and kittens. So the commercial foods that are made are created with that in mind. However, I've also noticed that there are certain commercial breeds that will combine the two and say, this particular package is good for both kittens and adults. So I'm not really sure about that. The commercial industry is really questionable in what you're actually getting and whether it's actually providing the nutrition that your animals need at any stage of life. That's where the research comes in. Mm -hmm. We'll get to some of those other questions, but that's when you need to make sure that the company you are purchasing from has the best needs of the animals in mind. I would think now not all expensive brands are worthy of acceptance, but If you have a brand that puts more money towards their formulization and the scientific aspects of their food, it's going to be more pricey. Mm. So that might be where you want to start your research. Mm -hmm. Higher quality foods tend to, not always, tend to put more into their formulations as opposed to cheap foods that get grocery store. Right. Right. Like, who do these companies have on their staff? Do they 
or on their board, may not be their staff per se, but do they work in conjunction with veterinary nutritionists or animal nutritionists in order to create the food that they're creating? How much knowledge do they actually have on the nutrients that your animals even need? Are they trying to be the newest boutique food or are they trying to be the healthiest food? That's a good question. So now ask yourself, does your animal have any specific nutritional requirements? The tendency with our society is to try to put everyone in a box. All humans need this, 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 and this. All dogs need this, 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 and this. All cats need this, 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 and this. And that's just simply not true. Yeah. And then some people will put dogs and cats in the same box, which is even further from the truth. (laughs) Yeah. And some people will also say that animals should eat like a human. So if it's a human ingredient, then it should be fine to feed them. No. (laughs) (laughs) Should I say it again? No. (laughs) Dogs and cats have different digestive systems from humans. Dogs have different digestive systems from cats. And each dog has a different digestive system from each other, which might sound really weird. But every animal, we keep saying this, every animal is an individual. Yep. Well, look at us humans. I mean, some humans can have milk. Others can't. There are some people that can eat chicken. There are others who can't. There are people who are allergic to peanuts, but others that can eat a pound. Every human is individual with individualized digestive systems. Why would that not be the same for animals? Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, they're not eating the crap that we as humans eat, but still, you can't put them in boxes, just like you said. Yeah. I mean, both cats and dogs need animal protein, but with dogs, some might need more animal protein than others, or with both dogs and cats, Some will do well on certain types of animal protein and not so well on others. Yep. I had a couple of cats allergic to chicken. You Mm -hmm. go out there and try to find a cat food that's not based in chicken. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Of course, the allergy thing is a whole other can of worms, but (laughs) we're not going to get it. (laughs) We're not going to get there. (laughs) I know I had to eat one of my cat's venison for a while because it was the only meat that her system would digest and that would be able to help her skin condition. Very strange. Try to find cheap venison for cats. Yeah, that's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) They're out there, but (laughs) not cheap. So what can determine an animal's specific nutritional requirements? Well, are you aware if they have any kind of health issue? Are they dealing with any kind of allergies? Whether it's a skin type allergy, whether it's a food allergy, whether it's environmental allergy, whatever it might be. Is there an allergy they're dealing with? Have they been diagnosed with something? Maybe they've been diagnosed with diabetes or kidney disease or some other kind of illness that their nutritionary requirements might need to be adjusted to address that particular health issue. And again, the commercial foods that are out there and promoted can be questionable in regards to that. Yeah. But also... Ask yourself, how active are they? What is your pet's lifestyle? You know, to try to feed a border collie the exact same food that you feed a lower energy dog, like, I don't know, a pug, (laughs) (laughs) you know, they're going to have different caloric level. They're going to burn calories more quickly. They're going to need different levels of fat and protein and that because of their activity level. I think size also has to go into it too, because if you have, say, a Great Dane or Mm -hmm. a larger breed dog, their food is formulated differently because they should not grow that fast. So their food is going to be formulated to support them as they're growing, Mm -hmm. where like a Chihuahua or a Pug or a French Bulldog or, you know, a Border Collie, they have different needs because they're not going to grow as quickly and their growth plates are not going to get damaged if they grow too fast. So that's another thing. What type of dog do you have? What type of cat do you have? I mean, cats are pretty much relatively similar, but dogs especially are varied in their nutritional requirements. When you consider that a small dog 
reaches basically their physical maturity by six months, give or take, whereas a dog like a Great Dane will not reach their physical maturity until a year and a half to two years. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how much more growing needs to be done? You don't want to feed a food that's going to encourage them to reach their maximum growth in six months if they're meant to take two years. They'll be crippled by the time they're four, if that happens, because they'll just grow too fast. Their body can't handle it. Mm -hmm. So we've got a few sites for you to take a look at so that you can do your own research and gather more information about nutrition. You can go to cats.com slash best cat food. You can go to feline-nutrition.org. They've got a lot of fantastic information about cat nutrition there. You can go to www.dogfoodadvisor.com. You can go to www.afco.org slash consumers slash what is in pet food. And the last, you can go to wasava, W-S-A-V-A.org slash global guidelines slash global nutrition guidelines. And again, we'll put all those in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't catch all of that. (laughs) Never you fear. (laughs) But they're all very good. I've used several of these. They're incredibly good and informative websites. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the quality now. What is the quality of the food you are thinking of buying or making? Because you can potentially make your own food instead of just buying what's commercially made out there. But you have to know what you're doing. Just giving them your scraps or just feeding them whatever you're making yourself for dinner is not going to cut it. You really have to understand what your pet needs because there's a lot of human foods that are not safe or healthy for your pets. Mm -hmm. If you're going to buy the food, consider that just because a brand is popular does not make it good quality. Heck no. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Back to those viral videos. There's so many people trying to manipulate the markets to make more sales. You cannot, you cannot go by popularity. You have to do your own. When it comes to food, you have to do your own research. And this is where me personally, and I think Miranda's on board with this, This is where you do the majority of your research when you have an animal because toys, you can, you can skip toys, you know, and only have a few, but your dog needs to eat every single day. Oh yeah. Yeah. If if you don't end up feeding your pets, at least reasonable nutrition, you're ultimately most likely going to end up with a sick animal. So you're either going to pay more money in the forefront or more money in the back front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go with back front. I like that. <laughs> forefront, back front. Yes. See, we here at the Animal Files, we make up our own words and it works. <laughs> Because you you either pay more money for better quality food, or you're likely going to end up paying money for veterinary costs. Unless, of course, you don't end up taking your pet to the vet, which hopefully is not the case. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) You know, once you consider that, and I mean, we understand that everybody has a different budget. Not everybody is in a position or has a high level of income coming in. So... If you are in the middle, which most people are, find that middle ground. Don't go for the cheapest garbage that is out there because there is no nutrition in that, little to none. And you don't necessarily have to go with the most expensive quality food. And again, not all expensive food is good quality either. So find something that's in the middle ground that you can maintain. Because that's the thing, you need to be able to maintain it. You don't want to be feeding them this kind of food. And then it's like, oh, well, now my budget's run out for that. So now I'm going to have to go to the lower quality food. 
you want to do something that you can maintain on a month to month basis. Yeah, because your dog's digestive system or your cat's digestive system is going to need to adapt to the cheaper food and you don't want to do it abruptly because then you're going to be mm-hmm. causing more stress and you may actually end up creating a sickness in your cat and dog pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to quality, also find out what is the reputation of the company that is creating this food. So just because it's popular does not mean that the company has a good reputation. It just could be that people are unaware because maybe they haven't heard certain things or maybe the company has been able to do well at keeping things under wraps. Or your vet is pushing the food. So since you trust your vet, you go, oh, well, it must be good food. And you don't do your research. Mm -hmm. Do your research. So this could be a little, again, a little more tricky to uncover, especially in this day and age where there is a reduction of freedom of speech. And people who are saying things that go against the mainstream are in some cases being shut down. Yeah. Money speaks. These big companies will silence people who are going against their product. Mm. I'm not going to name the big names because there are several that are questionable practices, but just because it's a big name, just because it's everywhere does not make it a good company. It does not make it good food. And you as a responsible pet owner need to be doing your research. Because this next question that we're going to bring up is an important one, especially in the last few years. It's been a lot. How many Mm. recalls has this company had and how many times that recall has happened? Yeah. You know, sometimes things can happen, but is the company even doing anything to address what caused the recall in the first place? Exactly. Or are they just trying to like hide it and then just put that stuff out again? under a different label or a different whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe you might be able to find out if there have been any reports of various animals reacting to certain foods. You know, if there is a reasonable amount of animals that are having a reaction to certain foods, it may be something that is best to stay away from. You think? I mean, it depends on the kind of (laughs) reaction they're having too, but. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But yeah. But, you know, I've definitely heard of stories of certain companies where people were giving their pet this certain brand of food. And the animal was, for all intents and purposes, seemed to be doing well on the food. And then suddenly a couple of years, three years or something like that down the road, something changed and suddenly their pet was getting sick and not doing well on it anymore. So whether there was a change in the formulation, whether it was a cause of there was something in the formulation to begin with, that now the animal was starting to like it kind of accumulated in the system and now the animal was starting to react to it. I'm not sure. It's always good to look into that stuff Mm -hmm. because a lot of companies, especially if you are going for the bigger named companies, they will reformulate and reformulate and reformulate in order to bring their costs down. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when they reformulate, they source those products from lesser quality locations. And that could be one of the reasons why your dog all of a sudden or your cat all of a sudden is reacting to the food when they've been fine on it for years. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. Big companies, actually all companies, but big companies do it more frequently. They're always trying to bring down their costs. And so they may be sourcing lower quality ingredients or putting more fillers in to help extend their financial line. Yeah. To say that nicely. (laughs) Yeah. And this is both in the pet and the human food industry. Oh, completely. Yes. It's capitalism. That's all it is. Oh, yeah. It's not a bad thing, but people can take it to extremes. Oh, definitely. So can you find out as well how a company produces and manufactures their food products and where they acquire the ingredients from? Again, this is like the toy question that we had where you might be able to get general information, but maybe not details. However, a reputable company should be willing to 
at least give you the information that is not going to put them at risk of having information stolen or something like that. Oh, yeah. They won't give away proprietary formulations. Right. But they can at least give you confidence in their product Mm -hmm. as long as they're not manipulating that confidence. Hence the reason why you need to understand everything about the company that you can Mm -hmm. on your own and not just go by what they say. And as we were saying before, who is actually formulating these food products? Do they have someone on staff or on the board who is involved with formulating these food products that actually has an animal nutrition background? Because there's definitely a lot of people out there who just think, oh, you know, it would be cool to create my own pet food. And, you know, they might have perhaps their heart in the right place that I have a pet and I want to feed my pet good tasting, healthy food. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have the knowledge to do that. And they may not have the appropriate people that they're working with to help them with that. And again, whose pocket are they in? Mm -hmm. We mentioned this a little bit earlier that dogs and cats don't belong in the same box. When it comes to food, that is so important because cats cannot process carbohydrates. Cats cannot process fruits and vegetables. And if the person who is doing their formulations, if they do both dog and cat products and they're using the same formulations for both species, that's something to be concerned with. Yeah. If a cat is eating dog food, that will cause illness in the cat. Mm-hmm. They can't process that stuff. Ask yourself as well, how much or how little has the food been processed? How close is it to its natural form? Because the more it's been processed, the more questionable it becomes, especially when it comes to these commercial foods and the ingredients that they put on the labels. They can call it all kinds of things that you have no idea what it even is. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) It's scary how creative they get with these words. And the companies that are not very reputable have very unique ways of getting around the requirements that have been put in place as to what a pet food can or cannot have, or the percentage of it that it can have or not have. So they call it different things so that they can bypass these different criterias. Does the company use any quality control with the ingredients used or with their process or with the final product? Do they care? (laughs) (laughs) That's an important question too. (laughs) (laughs) So this is another interesting question. Are your products human edible, which is a legally defined term, human grade, which is a not a legally defined term, or feed grade? Just a side note, a little bit of a teaser from our last episode on nutrition. Human grade doesn't mean edible. (laughs) That's true. They can source putrefied food from a human packing company and use it in animals. Yes, putrefied food, food that's already gone off and they're processing it and putting it in your animal's food. Doesn't mean it's not human grade because it was at one point, Hmm. but it's gone off and now they're putting in your animal food. Yeah. Sorry if you just ate lunch, but (laughs) that's... That's something that you need. This is how they they manipulate the words on their packaging. Yeah. And I think we also need to clarify the human edible, human grade terms a little bit more in the sense that human edible is supposed to mean that the ingredient is quality ingredient. It doesn't mean that, oh, well, it's a human food. And so if it has human ingredients in it, I can feed it to my animal. Because as we said, there's certain human ingredients that are not suitable for your pets because they are not humans. Yes. Whole different digestive system. Similar, but different. Yes. (laughs) It's also important to find out what is the manufacturer and expiration or best before date. 
Now, there's another website for you to go to that has some good questions to ask that you can look at um, on your own time. The caninehealthnut.com slash nine questions to ask your pet food company. We'll have that on show notes. Don't worry. Yeah. And I'm sorry if we're overwhelming you guys, but we really wanted to give you this information. Take from it what you will, but hopefully it's going to give you a lot of good insight. We've got a couple of more sort of categories under the food to consider, and then we will be wrapping it up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So of course, cost is going to come into question for most people, but Instead of just looking solely at your budget, I mean, your budget's going to play a huge factor in what you can get, obviously, but keep in mind that the cheapest costs pretty much equal unhealthy, unbalanced food quality. Expensive costs does not necessarily mean healthy, balanced, high quality food. Consider instead of judging the cost by the whole package, Instead, consider the cost per serving. How many servings would that package contain? How many servings per day are you going to be giving your animal? And figure out how long is this package going to last you based on the number of servings you're going to be giving your animal each day. And also consider the cost of not looking ahead to your animal's veterinary bills and just getting cheap stuff. If you decide to feed cheap, unbalanced, unhealthy food, you'll be paying more vet bills in the future. So where is your cost savings? You know, looking at the life of your animal, where are your cost savings? Mm-hmm. Just because you wanted to save money in the present? Well, that bag's only 10 bucks. This bag is 26. I'm going to go with the 10 bucks that in three years, you're spending $1,000 because they're going through kidney failure or something like that. Hmm. Not much cost savings there. So when you're considering the cost of the food, you'll also want to actually consider the actual ingredients in the food. How many of these ingredients are fillers, chemicals, and other unnecessary ingredients that your pets don't even need and can potentially be harmful to them? Mm -hmm. Metabolism and body digestive design is another thing to consider. Is your animal's metabolism and body digestive design able to process the ingredients that are in the food? We already talked about that with cats. Their digestive system cannot process fruits, vegetables, or much carbohydrates. They need to have a meat-based and animal protein-based diet. Almost entirely. Mm -hmm. Now, if you really, really, really want to get on top of what your specific animal needs for nutrition, consider talking to a qualified animal nutritionist or veterinary nutritionist to help determine your animal's needs. Because whether you're going to buy something, whether you're going to make it yourself, they'll be able to guide you on what to look for in the food that you're buying or making. With any of these products that we are talking about, regardless of what it is, the ones that we specifically talked about, whether it is other stuff, be aware of what you use to clean the pet products, such as toys, bowls, and et cetera, because the cleaning materials can often contain harsh, fragrant, and toxic cleaning materials, which can harm your pet's mouth, paws, or skin, or could make them sick because they're ingesting the cleaner that is on the product. We mentioned the laundry detergent having residue on the toys or the products or something like that, that you put in the washing machine. So one way that you can minimize that is that you can put them inside a pillowcase or a laundry bag, not a mesh laundry bag, because then it's still going to be exposed, but a pillowcase or a laundry bag and put that in the washing machine to minimize the exposure to the laundry detergent, but also consider the type of laundry detergent you're using. It's a nice trick. Mm -hmm. So obviously we couldn't cover every single type of product you might buy for your pet. We could cover quite a bit though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You'd probably be listening to episodes for a few weeks if we did that. (laughs) Yeah. Multi-billion dollar industry. (laughs) 
But hopefully what we've talked about, because a lot of the questions that we've addressed are pretty much applicable to most of the products that you are going to consider buying. So we hope that this gives you a really strong guideline as to the types of questions to consider whenever you are thinking of buying a product or getting something for your pet, regardless of whether it's a dog, a cat, a bird, lizard, fish, you name it. Even yourself. Yeah. These are pretty good guidelines for yourself. If you take care of yourself, then you won't be spending more money on your medical bills as well. They can be universal. Mm -hmm. And I think what this encourages you to do is to just have discernment. Ask questions. Don't take anything at face value. Don't take anything anybody says at face value. If you really want to be an educated and an intelligent consumer, use discernment and do your own personal research and weigh all options, both sides, whether it's a company or somebody who's against that company, weigh them both, find where you land in the middle. Mm -hmm. That's just how you need to navigate. It's what you should do as a parent for human children or pet children. We give you permission. Now, maybe you might not consider every single one of these questions for every single thing you buy, because it is, it's a lot and I get it. And it can be very stressful trying to keep all of this in mind and have to look into it for every single thing. You know, adding stress is not always a good thing either, because that also affects your health. So just use your judgment and try to make the best choice that you can within your ability. Well said. And if you have any questions, we're here for you. Just email us. You can find us at the Animal Files Podcast at gmail.com. You can head over to our website, the Animal Files Podcast.com. And there you can get all the links to all of our socials. So if you prefer that method, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're everywhere. We're on Wisdom. We do talks there every week. So you can find us. And while you're on the website, if you feel like you want to support us, you got options to do that too. We got merchandise. We have one-time donations. We have a Patreon. And pretty soon, we're going to have a YouTube channel. Actually, we have the YouTube channel. We just haven't uploaded anything yet. So get on in there. Subscribe so you're first in line. I think that covers everything, right? Yeah, that sounds like it covered everything to me. (laughs) All right. Again, all of these websites will be on our show notes. So just head over to there. And if you like what we say, make sure to share this out. Rate us, review us, give us feedback, all of that stuff. And we will see you next time on the Animal Files podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.